Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Home and home. And we continue to remember the legacy, the life, uh, all of the impact that Kobe Bryant had on the basketball world and the globe. This is not just a an NBA superstar. He is a global icon, and we'll have proof of that. Enes Cantor grew up in Turkey. He is the Boston Celtics center, and he'll talk about what he did, the extraordinary measures he went to to make sure he never missed a Kobe Bryant game as a young kid growing up in Turkey. So Enes Cantor joins us shortly on the program. You don't want to miss his insights. One of the more fascinating, intelligent players in the NBA and a talented one as well. And the main question for Ennis this morning is a question looming over the entire NBA this morning. How best to honor Kobe Bryant, number eight, number 24? A lot of theories have been thrown out there, and you wouldn't believe how many people agree with Kendrick Perkins, former Boston Celtic NBA champ, part of Scallon Palace here on Radio.com. He told us earlier in the week, the first I had heard say he believes that they should redesign the NBA logo to feature Kobe Bryant. Now, that was shocking to hear at that moment, but since that time, a change.org petition has been circulating, and boy, are a whole lot of people jumping on board. 2.7 million people across the country have signed a change.org petition, hashtag change the logo. And some names you might know, not just Kendrick Perkins, have joined that movement. Julian Edelman, Patriots wide receiver. Snoop Dogg, the great rapper. And longtime NBA guard Jamal Crawford, two-time sixth man of the year. They firmly believe that the logo should be redesigned. Now, the league has never formally admitted that the logo is Jerry West, but the designer of that logo said he, in fact, studied a picture of Jerry West when he made that logo back in the day. I thought that was going way too far. I thought that was spur of the moment. The wound is still too raw, but boy, I might be wrong. I think this comes down to the NBA players. They need to ask not just current NBA players, but anything that offends Michael Jordan, his airness should be off the table. Would Michael agree to that? No one knows. The most competitive guy we've ever seen in professional sports, my assumption is no. No one believes that Kobe was a better player than Michael Jordan. I think he's best described as the bridge from Michael Jordan to LeBron James. But you have to find a way to honor him because this is a loss that not just NBA players are struggling with. All of us are. All of us are struggling to turn the page to the Super Bowl, and we will do that today. We will talk about the X Factors. We'll talk about are either of these teams a dynasty in the making, but it's a tough one to get past. Even if you weren't the Lakers fan, even if you weren't per se a Kobe Bryant fan, which I was neither, 
it has really impacted me and my life and everyone in my demographic, most of you in that demographic, men, fathers in their 40s. It's been hard to get past because he was Superman. And if Superman dies at 41, we are all vulnerable. In particular, it hurts because you see a dad. Arguably the greatest dad I've seen in terms of the public sphere in recent history. A guy whose daughter was his best friend and he clearly went down doing anything to protect Gigi. It is a tough loss to get past. So what are NBA players doing? We mentioned the redesign, the logo. Well, some believe that the jersey should be retired. Theoretically, it's number 24 before eight. But like, let's be honest, both jerseys are in the rafters at Staples. Under both jersey numbers, 24 and eight, Kobe scored more than 16,000 points. The Nets, Spencer Dinwiddle, he is going ahead and retiring his number eight himself. He's going to do it. Number 26, he tweeted about this. Now, the NBA has to approve these on a case-by-case basis. No clear plan yet what the league intends to do across the league. The Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban, said he's going to take the lead here. No one will ever wear number 24 again for the Dallas Mavericks. So with that, there's that question of how best to honor Kobe Bryant. And there really are three main options that people are zeroing in on at this point we started with number one that is redesign the logo feels a little drastic but gaining a lot of momentum should they rename the all-star game mvp after kobe bryant he won it four times that seems like a pretty special way to honor kobe bryant although the the all-star game is a bit of a sideshow but it certainly is something that was very important to Kobe Bryant and something that would have his name would be important. And of course, that third option is what Mark Cuban did, which is retiring the number 24 league wide. Um, Some other suggestions uh, have been thrown out there. I know Chris Maddox from Sports Illustrated suggested that uh, all players wear number eight or number 24 in the all-star game, one team with eight, one team with 24. He suggests the captains would wear number two. That was Gigi's jersey number. And a lot of people think Gigi was a future star in the NBA. Uh, We've seen some stuff even last night. Joel Embiid, Philadelphia 76ers. He wore number 24 with special approval last night with a fadeaway jump shot, somewhat reminiscent of Kobe Bryant. He scored his 24th point. It's eerie. um, And it's just a, It's a difficult spot for all of us to be in as we continue to honor the life, the legacy. The Lakers will get back on the court. As you know, last night's game was postponed, working to get the Lakers back on the court. Clearly, that was LeBron James driven, and it says a lot that he was not quite ready to play. Um, What's interesting about the logo discussion is that for those of you that haven't seen the incredible compilation of video out there on YouTube. You could probably find it on Twitter. Kobe Bryant did everything he could to emulate Michael Jordan from the turnaround jump shot uh, to the way he spoke, to the way he defended. Um, So in a way you are honoring Michael Jordan. If you redesign the logo, how much did he emulate Michael? How, what was the relationship between the two and the love between the two? Michael Wilbon from ESPN Talk to the sports junkies on 106.7 about the two. 
from afar? Like, we're guys who never met Kobe Bryant. You had personal interactions with Kobe. Kobe knew that I had covered Michael, and he knew that I was one of those people. This is like LeBron, you know, just 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I was never going to say that Kobe Jordan, Kobe was as good as Michael Jordan. I just wasn't going to say it or write it publicly. And I would say, no, I mean, he's, he, and, and while I think he's one of the, I don't know, five or six or seven, five or six or seven best players ever in the history of the league, I wasn't going there. And it was such a, um, a thing. It was like this whole thing with the GOAT with, with, with LeBron and Jordan now. But after some games where Kobe would have a 45-point game or something, something incredibly spectacular, if I was at the game, Kobe would come over and he'd like bump me or elbow me and he'd <laughs> lean over where only I could hear it. And he would say, what would your boy have done tonight? Would your boy like that game? Uh-huh. What would your boy have done? Would your boy have a better game than me tonight? And with, with a smile and he, he, it was something, it was like just, a, you know, a little game. He, he loved Jordan. And some people, like, he didn't want anybody to hear it because he knew what he suspected. People would take it the wrong way, as if this was mocking. And it wasn't. It was anything but. And it would, and, and I could discuss it with him. And I, I tried to, I said, let me, talk, let me write about this. Let me talk about this at the time. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I get killed. I'm like, you're not going to get killed. He said, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I get crushed if uh-huh. people knew. And I, I couldn't talk, you know, I couldn't talk about it. But it was, it was, it was funny. It was just a little thing. And people would ask me if they saw this. They were like, what, what is Kobe saying to you? I'm like, I'd make up some, you know, small tale. And But he loved Michael Jordan. He loved him. And Michael Jordan clearly loved Kobe in return. After Kobe's death, Michael said he was like a brother to me. As Shaquille O'Neal has said, it seems like everyone league-wide and outside of the league, felt some kinship towards Kobe Bryant. And here's what's interesting. Even if they didn't know it, I'm just a 43-year-old father, and I was stunned yesterday to hear my wife, who's not much of an NBA fan, not even a huge sport fan and not a Kobe fan, she said, I can't quite get past the death of Kobe Bryant. She said, Michael Jackson was my favorite singer of all time. And Kobe has affected me more than the early death of Michael Jackson. It struck me, can't quite get past it, and I can't figure out why all of us are struggling with the loss of Kobe Bryant, probably because the father that he was late in his life. Fascinating report from an ESPN reporter that uh, talked to Kobe about being specifically not just a father, but the father of all daughters. And Kobe said to her, I could have had five daughters. I am a girl dad. Folks, we're all girl dads this morning. I am a girl dad. I have two young girls, and I can't imagine not being a girl dad. All right, our good friend Ross Tucker is off today, stuck in some flight issues as he's coming back from the Super Bowl uh, radio row stuff. He'll make his way back here, and we'll talk to Ross tomorrow. But filling in, my good friend Jason Mertides, radio.com. Uh, Jack of all trades. He's like the guy that can uh, play second base. He can close. He could start on the mound. You could start in center field. Could you even catch Jason? Are you, were you a utility man back in the day? All trades, but a master of none. Master of none. Yeah. I could do a but lot of things too. okay, but not many <laughs> things really well. And my I wife share that in every day about it. I think we have that in common, brother. Well, Jason, it's good to have you on the program. And I know you, like me, are struggling to 
get past the Kobe Bryant loss. I'll admit right here, I have cried a half dozen times about this, as I did last night, watching Shaquille O'Neal, watching Reggie Miller, watching Jerry West, and everyone on this TNT special. It's just something that I think all of us are struggling with. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's the immediacy of it, the way it happened. And it's almost a shame, like you brought up the girl dad thing. It's almost a shame because it took him dying for everybody to realize that he was a great father to girls. And you, and I have a son. My firstborn's a son. So I have that, you know, the mini me version there. But I have two daughters, and the connection with girls is so different because we're not biologically the same as our daughters. So it's a, it's a <laughs> lot different, and it's it's got a specialness to it. Um, but to find out the dad that he was this way, I think breaks people's hearts because he had so much life in front of him. He was living the Mamba mentality as a man after basketball and his kids were picking up on that as well. And Gianna Gigi who passed away, that's the big tragedy in this. And, and it's amazing. Some of the tributes last night, like at the Sixers game, they did nine beams of light, which I thought was incredibly touching. Um, to honor not only Kobe and Gigi, but everybody else that lost their lives on, on that mountainside. So I, I think it's the immediacy of it that you didn't see it coming and you didn't realize the man that he had become, even though he did, was a flawed man at points in his life. Yeah, and we talked about a lot of the very visible tributes. You just mentioned one there in Philly. I found out about a, a, one that just made me laugh and and probably will make me cry here. Uh, my 12-year-old son, who I often talk about here on this program, he grew up in the LeBron James era. But Kobe is all that matters to him and his friends. And I can't figure it out. They can't even describe to me why it is. When they hit a big shot on that court and I'm their basketball coach, Kobe, that's what they say. So what they did in school and what they've done for two days in a row now is at 8.24 a.m., on the clock in their classroom, they crumble up a piece of paper and they shoot it in the wastebasket and they yell Kobe and a couple of them got sent down to the principal's office because the teachers were a bit out of touch and didn't understand what was going on. So with that, that question that we tweeted out at RDC Home and Home, what do you think is the best way for the NBA to honor the life, the legacy, and the career of Kobe Bryant? There is, of course, the, the redesign the logo, retire the jersey, rename the All-Star Game Award, I don't know what the right answer is, but clearly from hearing the pain of the players, they have to do something very visible and do it soon. Uh, that's the key for me. I don't do something soon. I take a step back and I do the right thing at the right time and the answer will come to you in the right time. As far as changing the logo, to me that feels really drastic. Um, so I wait, figure out what the right thing is and really think this out. I don't rush when I'm in a raw emotional state to do something so big. Um, it doesn't, to me, I know the players want something immediate because they want to feel better immediately, but I got news for them. It isn't going to make them feel better. Nothing you do is going to make anybody feel better right now. They're grieving, they're mourning. Changing the logo doesn't change that. So if I'm the NBA, and I suspect they will, they'll take a step back and they'll figure out the right thing to do whether it's come up with some kind of clutch player award or, or something like that, or you know add something into the All-Star game in his honor, they'll do something. 
but I would not do anything immediately, certainly not when uh, you're in the, the, the throes or in the teeth of grieving um, was a sudden passing and nobody obviously saw coming. It's interesting. I, I feel like they should do something relatively soon, and I just didn't realize how much the players would struggle to turn the page, and that's why I feel like doing something – I don't think you do anything with the logo for now. I don't think you do anything with the logo at all for me, but at least for now, give me a patch on the jerseys with the two, four and a black stripe, give the players something to feel some connection to Kobe Bryant right then and there. Um, but I, it does feel like we're moving towards retiring his number. And we asked that um, our poll question this morning, right now, the leader is retire Kobe's number. I assume that would be 24. You certainly can't retire both, right? The Dallas Mavericks have said 2-4 will be retired. What do you do? Because both jerseys were historic. He scored more than 16,000 points in each. I guess you go with 24, right? I, I would think so. And the other thing, that, like, like in Philadelphia, Bobby Jones, that number already is retired. Um, if you didn't retire Michael Jordan's number or Wilt Chamberlain's number, and I know they didn't die in the same manner, that's not the route I would go. Um, a lot of people want to do that. I know Mark Cuban stepped out and did that already. I think that's an individual club's decision. Um, but I don't see retiring that number across the league. That wouldn't be the route I would take. I would come up with some kind of award in his honor. And I, and I agree with you. Putting some kind of patch on the jersey for the remainder of the season would be, uh, I, I think, the right move to make. So everybody, it's represented on NBA uniforms for the entirety of this season and playoffs. And maybe some way also of remembering those other all nine victims. So maybe there's a 24 slash nine or something like that um, to keep everything in perspective. We'd like to start our discussion this morning, Jason, with win or lose. Does it appear that one of these teams is a dynasty in the making? loaded with young offensive talent. Now, one of these teams has a very young but brilliant head coach. Andy Reid certainly not going to qualify for a young man, but you could make a case for either one if they win this game, being in the beginning of a dynastic run. Now, I hate to say this. I think it is clearly Kansas City. I think Kansas City is my pick to win this game. I think they probably cover the one point, and I, I like them to win by a full touchdown. The reason I like Kansas City to become a dynasty, and I hate to say this as a Bronco fan, says not just a lot about Kansas City having the best quarterback in the game today and for the next 10 years, but about who else is in the AFC. No one terrifies me for the next 10 years in the AFC with the notable and potential exception of the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know what Lamar Jackson is going to be, but when I look at the NFC, Jason, I see a lot of teams. I'm not sure San Francisco wins their division next year because I think Seattle could be in the Super Bowl next year. I think Dallas could be in the Super Bowl next year. I think Philly, if they can get healthy and get some receivers, could make a Super Bowl. And then you've got a couple of guys that I think still have another Super Bowl in them. Breeze, I think he could get back. Rodgers, I think, could get back. And, of course, I think Matt Ryan could get back uh, given the amount of talent on that offense and, and, and defense as well. Do you think either of these teams could be a dynasty in the making? Well, the first question you got to answer is what is the making of a dynasty? Certainly, I think it's a franchise quarterback, right? You have to have 
a guy that's going to be there for a decade, dominate the league, and the ability of the GM or the organization to put the weapons around him to let him succeed. Something that they weren't able to do in Green Bay in Aaron Rodgers' tenure, which is why they didn't go to that dynasty you know, kind of realm of being one of those contenders every year. But you can look at it, too, and go, well, defense is a big thing, and San Francisco's got that in just a tremendous defense. But is that something that could lead to a dynasty? I don't think so. And I don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo yet that he's a guy that's going to dominate this league at the quarterback position for the next decade and be able to really put the, the 49ers in a position where they're the team to beat because Garoppolo's there. And he'll make you know middling players great just by his abilities. I don't see that out of him yet. I'm not convinced of that, although I am convinced of that with Mahomes. So if any, chan- any team has a chance to do it, it's the Chiefs. Can Andy Reid be a sustainable coach for 10 years? Is he going to be in Kansas City for 10 years? That's also the other part of the, the, the equation when it comes to a team that's going to be a dynasty is the coach-quarterback combination. So there's been a lot of issues in Kansas City off the field with Tyreek Hill and Hunt and all this stuff. That's got to be cleaned up for it to happen as well. I don't think it's likely, but if you're picking a team, the one team that's got an opportunity, and it's all because of Mahomes, and if Andy Reid can sustain, it's the combination of those two. I'm surprised to hear you say all because of Mahomes. Now, I agree with we don't see defensive dynasties. I'm not sure why. Look at the greatest defense we've ever seen, the Chicago Bears in 85. It's amazing to think that group won one Super Bowl. The Baltimore Ravens that won that Super Bowl with one of the great defenses we've ever seen. The one Super Bowl. The amazing Steve Spagnola defense that shut down the 18-0 New England Patriots. All of them just won the one Super Bowl. So I agree with you there. For that, some that reason. Giant defense yeah. actually wasn't very good. It was just good in the playoffs. So that's part of it, <laughs> You're too. Right. But, but you got to give right. Spags credit. He did a great job shutting down the best football team I've ever seen. That, that Patriot team when they ended up winning the Super Bowl after a 9-7 and seven season and going in as a wild card team and getting to the Super Bowl on three road games. Yeah, and that's a factor that I just can't ignore when I break down this game. Again, I continue to lean Chiefs, and in part because of Steve Spagnola, in, in particular because he somehow found a way for his Giants team, to your point, not a great defense, but to get enough pressure on Brady and to limit them in scoring, and to really shut down the most prolific offense we've ever seen. And that's what I want to talk to uh, Steve uh, Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus about, is is this similar to some of those games in which it's, and I've mentioned a couple, I think there's a couple you put in the conversation. Seattle, when they just stifled Peyton Manning and the Broncos, I think it was 43-8. to I think of the Spagnola win over that undefeated Patriots team. On the flip side, I think the Patriots, when they shut down uh, the greatest show on turf and beat the Rams in that Super Bowl, typically we see a more physical defensive effort shut down those high-flying, high-scoring offenses. Do you think this one follows a similar storyline? I don't. I, I, I don't. Look at what the, the Chiefs managed to do. They got off to slow starts in two of their playoff games. And then in in their first playoff game this year, they went on seven straight drives where they scored a touchdown. And then the next week, another slow start, and then they went on six straight drives scoring a touchdown. That offense strains you so much, and Mahomes, 
and his ability to run outside the pocket, deliver the ball, just the full complement of arsenal of weapons that a quarterback has ever had in this game. And I'm not saying he's the great yet because he needs to prove that on the field. But when you look at what how he strains you, eventually he wears the great defenses down. He'll do the same to the San Francisco 49ers. They'll hang in for a bit. But when you get to midway through the third quarter, eventually you just can't sustain kind of controlling what he does and how he hurts you. And eventually he just out outlasts your defense and he's going to put up points. I think it's a, a double-digit win for the Chiefs because of Mahomes and the way they eventually wear teams down. Boom! Double-digit yeah. win from Jason Martinez. Uh, go reverse very line, confident. like alternate spread. Really get a good so number gonna, on this. Are you going to throw down some cash here? Of course, absolutely. What's the Super Bowl without betting it. on it? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, the squares at the Super Bowl party just must not do it. And I think one of the most un- – I mean, we talk about Mahomes a lot, but I don't think we talk about right now – He is in line with the greatest postseason in NFL history, right there with Joe Montana's run in 1989, in which he won a Super Bowl, 11 interceptions, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. And right there with Joe Flacco, 2012, won that Super Bowl, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. Patrick Mahomes is in line for the greatest postseason run a quarterback has ever had. And he's what, 24 years old, 25 years old? It's just ridiculous. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. So you got some money straight up. You love that Chiefs spread. I'm seeing it at both one and one and a half. What about the over? I think the over right now, most popular bet since 2003 on a playoff game. Which tells me the under is going to (laughs) slam. When the public goes so heavy on something, they're usually wrong. But I don't want to be there on my couch on Super Bowl Sunday and rooting for the under. Like, rooting for the defenses, it's like you're a communist. You know what I mean? Who doesn't want points on Super Bowl Sunday? So I'm going to root for the over. I think the over has a chance, even though the public's all over it. Uh, But I'm going to go Casey in the over. And the one to me is, is baffling. I know the San Francisco defense is really good, but I just can't see them containing the KC offense. So I I love Kansas City in the game. I think they win by double digits. It's very rare that Super Bowls are that close. And where All right, let's it's a one point. Let's ask an expert about all this. Danny Parkins, you better you bet. Quick kid here. Danny, great to have you on the show. What do you make of Jason Martita's prediction that the Chiefs win by double digits? 
I hope he's right because I have him at eleven to one to win the Super Bowl from early in the season. So I uh, I am rooting for Jason to be right. Listen, I I think that this game is the proverbial toss up. It's you know two great offensive coaches, two teams that are rolling. My favorite stat uh, for this Super Bowl is an easy one, and I just think it's very counterintuitive to a lot of the narratives that you're hearing nationally about the game. And it's that the Niners have scored more points than the Chiefs this season, and the Chiefs have allowed fewer points than the Niners. You, to hear people talk about it, all you're hearing about is the front seven and all the first-round picks on the defensive line for the Niners and how they're a little bit more conservative with their running game. And the Chiefs, it's a bend-but-don't-break defense and their high-powered offense. But you can really flip that narrative on your head when you say, man, the Niners have scored more than the Chiefs, so we know they can be explosive. They hung 48 on the Saints in the Superdome. And the Chiefs, since they've gotten healthy with Chris Jones and Frank Clark, who were both injured, they added Terrell Suggs, Honey Badger got healthy. Their defense since Week 10, Week 11 has been one of the best in the NFL. So I, I don't really have a great read on how this is going to go. Like a one-point, one-and-a-half-point spread for the Chiefs because they're a little bit more of a public team with Pat Mahomes. Honestly, that feels right to me. There's no way this will get to a three-point spread in either direction. Great stuff there from Danny Parkins. You better you bet that the Chiefs have allowed fewer points in San Fran, and San Fran has scored more than the Chiefs. That both numbers stun me. Give us a prop bet you're interested in and why, and we'll weigh in here. Well, so everyone tries to go for more exotic prop bets and longer odds, and I totally understand that. It's fun. A lot of casual bettors just make their first and only bets of the year on the Super Bowl, but I never, you know, don't look the gift horse in the mouth, so to speak. I'm never turning away free money. Anyone who played fantasy football this year and tried to figure out, hey, I want a piece of the San Francisco 49er running game. You had Tevin Coleman. Someone else had Matt Breda. Someone else had Raheem Mostert. And you never know who's going to get the most carries in a given week. Who are you going to start until now? It literally took 19 weeks to get here because Tevin Coleman is hurt. Breda has been hurt and has no longer been effective, and Mostert had the breakout game of his life in the NFC Championship game. There is no way Raheem Mostert is not getting 20 carries in this game. There is no way that Kyle Shanahan is going to abandon the running game. You know that he wants to run, 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 so he doesn't have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo, and the best weapon for the Niners is keeping Pat Mahomes on the sideline. So everyone tries to look for the first touchdown of the game. Feel free, have some fun. But if you bet $135, you win 100 if you just say that Raheem Mostert will score a touchdown at any point in the game. You could do the same thing for Damian Williams on the Chiefs' side if you want to because he's got four touchdowns in two playoff games and also had two touchdowns in Week 17. You know, Shady McCoy, Darwin Thompson, they're not involved anymore in the Chiefs' running game. Like We finally have some clarity for these two offenses at running back. You could bet $110 to win 100 on Damian Williams to score, or you could bet 135 to win 100 on Raheem Mostert to score. More so than the spread, more so than the over-under. These are basically straight wagers, even money propositions. Just bet that the running backs will score a touchdown at any point in the game, and you're basically getting even money. I love both of those prop bets. Hmm. Do, do you like combining the two? A running back so you can on co- each side? Yeah, so you can combine the two on some sites and maybe get like plus one ten, bet a hundred bucks to win one ten, bet yeah. ten bucks to win eleven, that sort of thing. So you can do that, 
And the only reason that I would be a little hesitant to do that is the Chiefs side of the equation, because I guess it's possible that Pat Mahomes throws for, you know, four touchdowns or they run it to uh, Tyreek Hill down near the goal line or Pat Mahomes takes it in. Like it's, it's in play that the Chiefs do not have a conventional rushing touchdown. Now, Damian Williams has had multiple receiving touchdowns. I think mean, he's got two receiving touchdowns in his last three games. So he can get into the end zone that way. But I would just bet each of them separately. But my favorite bet of the entire board is Raheem Mostert to score. I, I see no scenario where the Niners play a competitive game and Raheem Mostert doesn't get into the end zone. That is a tremendous bet. I cannot believe it's virtually the same ads as that first touchdown, which, as we've revealed here, is a sucker's bet. Danny Parkins, that's the kind of stuff you get on You Better You Bet, 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock on the radio.com app. Great to have you, my friend. You just made us some free money. Appreciate that. Yeah, of course. No, it's all, it's awesome coming on the show. And if I could give a PSA to all the yeah. first-time gamblers out there, okay, this is the I will bet on anything in the Super Bowl. It, it, the Super Bowl, as the, as the cliche goes, it is the Super Bowl of gambling because you can bet on everything from how many planes will be in the flyover before the game, length of national anthem, to the color of the Gatorade bath, to what hairstyle J-Lo will have. You can bet on everything, and I will bet on everything. But the one thing I will not bet on, on any sports site or with any bookie, is the coin toss. And let me tell you why. It's not that I won't bet on the coin toss at all, but you got to bet on the coin toss with someone at your Super Bowl party. That was your wife, that was your girlfriend, that was your buddy who you're watching the game with because you can give yourself even money. If you go to some of these websites, they want you to lay 15 cents on the dollar on a 50-50 proposition. It's outrage, it's an outrage and it's highway robbery. So if you think it's going to be heads and your buddy thinks it's going to be tails, don't give the bookie your vig. Just take each other's money the old-fashioned way, how God intended. That's the way I like to do it. I like to bet bottles of booze, and so I've got a $100 bottle uh, bet with Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, that's the way I roll, too. I like the bets at home in person. That's a great PSA from Danny Perkins. Our PSA is to listen to You Better You Bet on the radio.com app, 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Great stuff, my friend. Appreciate it. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you guys so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Anytime. Let's do it again. Number one graded Super Bowl Sunday food. Oh, Super Bowl Sunday food. Yeah. I like ribs. I like ribs. Ribs are good. Anytime, really? So if you give me ribs on Super Bowl Sunday, that's what I'll, that's what I'll have. Rib, ribs and wings, and I'm good. I'm surprised to hear you say ribs. I mean, that is a real mess. Will you be at the Super Bowl? Do you prefer being at home focused on television? Yeah, I prefer being at home, and that's, that's, that's definitely where I'll be. So I'll be watching the X's and O's as best I can and uh, enjoying it from the comforts of the, of the couch. No party, huh? Um, it, it depends. We'll see what happens. I got, I got a bunch of kids, so I'll probably have to stay home with them, put them to bed and uh, focus on the game. Oh man. Yeah. That's always difficult focusing with the kids. I got three too. And I'll have to figure that out. Yeah. Steve Palazzolo down in Miami for the Super Bowl ribs, his number one graded Super Bowl Sunday food. And he's got the chiefs. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. PFF.com huh? 30% off uh, championship subscriptions. Yeah. I, ribs dude. I mean, I love ribs. I freaking love ribs. But Super Bowl Sunday, 
you just I have the vision of getting that all over my hands, all over my face, trying to watch the game and clean my shit up. I think ribs. I do not want to see ribs on Sunday. Do you? No. Now the wings can get messy, so you may have to go with the bib anyway. You may have to steal one of the old baby bibs out. But no, I'm not going ribs. My number one may shock you though. Yep. Go. How about the seven layer bean burrito dip? That they put in like the it's, Pyrex thing yeah. with the sour cream, guacamole, refried bean. It's tremendous, and it doesn't get messy. It's really good. I'm going to top you, and it is also a dip, and it has to do with wings. And I don't know how, how many people have had it, but buffalo chicken dip, oh. similar to your seven-layer dip. Now My wife it's, makes it all the time. Oh, it's going to kill you. I mean, yeah. it will literally give you a heart attack with all the blue cheese and, and or ranch and buffalo sauce. And oh, my God, if you get pulled chicken in there mm-hmm. and you can you can attack it with the chips or you can attack it with the celery and the carrots. You get a little bit of a little bit of health in there. I think that's my number one graded uh, Super Bowl Sunday food at PFF. You agree? That's it good sounds. Work. That, that That's a good one. And you got to have the variety of the spread. You have to have some smooth things. And tangy, and you have to have some spicy and, and punchy things as well. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So we've got the millennials weighing in. Wings for the win. Hero sandwiches, yeah, that's sandwiches are okay. They don't impress me. Pizza is a standard. You have to have it. You have to feed the kids with it. But it's certainly not gonna, you know, not gonna make or break your Super Bowl party. You're not gonna be like, oh sweet, they have pizza. But if you show up and you got ribs i guess steve palazzolo is happy i am probably not i definitely go for the buffalo chicken dip we'll have to post my wife's recipe on twitter and instagram to spread the love speaking of food i thought it was interesting yesterday saw a tweet from the folks at lucky charms that both lucky charms and cinnamon toast crunch will have ice cream coming out in the weeks and or months ahead and i thought a couple of questions here what cereal would make the best ice cream and as we approach the cereal bowl we got to have the cereal bowl off what's the best cereal to you power rankings uh number one for me cereal wise is lucky charms it's phenomenal you still go in when you pour your bowl and then you always reach for a couple extra marshmallows because you feel like you want more marshmallows in it but as far as one that you're going to make into an ice cream what is it cookie crisp Remember that with, like, the yeah. little mini cookies? Like, you yeah. can't go Rice Krispies for a, an ice cream. That's not going to work. But a cookie crisp, no. that would work. Cookie crisp would would be solid. Now, the only problem is those cookies might get, like, really frozen, and you might crack a tooth on that, but I assume they can find a way to make those not too, too hard, too crunchy. I think Cinnamon Toast Crunch would actually be my number one, so that's a good call. I don't think... Lucky Charms would make good ice cream myself. I think it's a great cereal, but only like one bowl every once in a while. To me, what makes a great cereal is something I can have each and every day. And I can't do that with Lucky Charms because I have cereal every day. So I would put Cinnamon Toast Crunch probably right there near the top. I would say anything cinnamon for me is pretty much number one. Um, I had a bowl of Fruity Pebbles the other day, bro. And, you know, my kids eat Fruity Pebbles. I hadn't had one in probably 25 plus years. It was awesome. 
But again, I felt like it was a one and done thing. Like you can't have Fruity Pebbles each and every day. I, I guess that just when you're getting old, Fruity Pebbles are really good one off, but you can't have it every day. Well, with the Fruity Pebbles, too, you got to eat it quick because that's one that gets soggy really fast. So you got to eat that fast because it can't sustain being submerged in the milk for too long. You know what's a good one and would be actually a good ice cream as well is the Cocoa Puffs. I could Cocoa see Cocoa Puffs, Puffs integrated in a vanilla ice cream, and that would be nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it'd be that. I guess you'd have a little crunch, so it would differentiate mm-hmm. it from from chocolate ice cream. That that is a pretty good idea. What I like about anything cocoa cereal and i have like chocolate checks that i eat at home i'm gluten-free so i try to steer to the gluten-free cereals <laughs> sometimes i cheat some days i have cheat days but the great thing about cocoa pebbles cocoa puffs and of course chocolate checks is the chocolate milk bowl that's left at the end man yeah. like i take it like a little kid and i just drink up my chocolate milk that's left at the end it's a really nice treat there at the end I know what I'm going to get you for uh, a gift for your birthday or Christmas. They make the bowl that's got the straw built into the side of it. Have you seen this? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Describe this again. It's a cereal bowl, and it has a straw that's built right into the side of it, like here. And then when you're done your cereal, you just... And it sucks it right up. <laughs> I have like 10 of them. You do not. You do not own well, that. I have three I'm calling kids, bullshit. So. Yeah, so they they have the cereal. I don't sit there with the bowl, you know, but. Like me. I I wonder what leaves the best milk at the end. You're going to have to ask those three kids of yours. My kids don't usually drink the milk that's left. I wonder if it's the chocolate milk, or I wonder if it is, dude, Apple Jacks leaves a tremendous milk. And, And the aforementioned Fruity Pebbles, oh, that's a bit of a treat there at the end because it really embraces all those sugary, fruity flavors. I'll go with like the cocoa, the cocoa pebbles or cocoa puffs or whatever. I like the chocolate. That's that's the best milk. All yeah. right, all right. We had a, we had a really in depth discussion on the cereal bowl that is coming this week. Hey everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember. You can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.